Modern life. Between careers, kids, and health, it can be mayhem. That's why we're here. I'm Dr. Lisa Varghese-Kroll. And I'm Dr. Lonre Falusi. We're physicians, moms, and longtime friends who break it all down for you. Wondering how to juggle all the balls and still stay sane? Looking for advice but don't want to be overwhelmed? Curious about how to make the most out of life for your family but enjoy it at the same time? You're in the right place. Welcome to Health and Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. On this episode, we talk about how to recognize good information versus bad. How can you tell whether something you read online is reliable? Does it really matter? And how can we stamp out myths and support the spread of facts in order to protect our families and communities? Hello, Lisa. Hey, Lonre. How are you? Doing all right. How are you? What's new? Oh, my goodness. It's Groundhog Day. Yeah. You know how, yeah. how Corona life is. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it is it is great to know that we are all going through this in one way or another together. And uh, we hope that you are all out there are doing well, hanging in there. And as always, we're so grateful to our uh, healthcare community and all the essential workers um, who are who are taking care of us all and helping us all to fight this pandemic. And thank you to all of our listeners, too, as we hope that you are also following you know, the safety protocols around staying at home or safer at home, wherever your state may be at this time. So thanks for thinking about you know, yourselves, your families and others who are around you. Agreed. So, you know, when we were talking about this, uh, this episode's topic, this is something that's close to our hearts. Um, you know, we really believe in education and communication, and we wanted to do a deep dive into why it's important to be able to recognize good versus bad info. You know, our, our current lingo calls it fake news. Uh, now more than ever, I think we can see that this is a really important skill. And, and why is that? Well, you know, thanks to the internet, written and oral statements can now spread like wildfire. Uh, centuries ago, information transmission, it required one human to pass a story to another human. That's an inherently slow process. But now, someone in Mexico can post something online that's read by someone in Japan just minutes later. And as a former journalism major, I certainly feel that there are positives to this kind of reach. Um, as in our current global pandemic, experts can quickly disseminate life-saving information to millions, um, potentially helping people change their behaviors in short time frames and saving multiple lives. So that's great. But false information can spread just as quickly, uh, which can be very dangerous. And additionally, factual information can be changed in subtle or overt ways by their messengers. And that's that can lead to drastic changing of the overall meaning by the time it reaches a recipient. So an example of the effect of incorrect information is, um, you know, people who deliberately leave false negative reviews for businesses, either because they're competitors or because of personal grudges. And those businesses can end up being in very real danger of financial ruin through no fault of their own. Uh, another more severe example is the recent insinuation that many of you may have heard that disinfectants could be injected into humans as a potential cure for COVID-19. Let us be perfectly clear, this is extremely dangerous, not in any way medically sound, and it directly led to a doubling in emergency calls to poison control in the United States from people who followed that suggestion. So being able to distinguish reliable versus unreliable news is very much a matter of justice and safety, and it can be a matter of life and death. 
that's a really great point that these can be matters of life and death, which is why we really have to dig into recognizing what's real and what's fake. So how do we actually do that? How do you recognize, how do you know what's real news versus what's fake news? So first thing is to start by asking what type of piece is this? So is it a true news article or a news show? Or is it a blog post or an opinion piece or an ad? So a lot of opinion pieces, for example, can look like news articles, which can be dangerous if the opinion runs against factual knowledge. Right. So this is not to say that all opinion shows and blogs don't have value in spreading truthful information, but we have to take those sources with a grain of salt and recognize that those formats give people the liberty to speak or write without necessarily having to back up what they say with any corroborating facts. Precisely. And the next important question to ask is, who is the creator? Is this a news organization with a long history? Is it a person or people with legitimate ex- expertise? And can you confirm their expertise elsewhere on the web? Uh, does it come from a URL with a clear established name? Or does it come from one with multiple extra characters like NBCnews123.com? <laughs> Do not um, trust them. <laughs> right. Uh, instead of more generally reliable domains such as .com, .gov, .edu, or .org, does it have a less trustworthy uh, domain such as .co or .biz? It's not to say that .com, .gov, .edu, or .org websites can't be hijacked or pressured into posting questionable info, but the use of other domains, are it is at least a clue that the people putting out the, this info aren't established enough to own their own domain name or are deliberately hiding their identities. Uh, what does their About Us or Biography section say? If this section is riddled with grandiose statements or childish language or questionable claims, uh, like... We are the only news source telling America the truth. Everyone else can suck it. Then yeah, take I it. have questions about that right. type of site or show. <laughs> take it with a large boulder of salt. Uh, from a medical perspective, we've been alarmed and dismayed by false medical advice that we've heard about posted by random bloggers or conspiracy theorists or bots. Uh, so when it comes to medicine, double and triple check that the original source of any news is an established medical institution. Examples are, you know, places like Johns Hopkins Medicine or the Mayo Clinic or the CDC, um, or that it's coming from an actual researcher in the field or a licensed physician, including, of course, your own physician or healthcare team. Yeah, that's great. And going even further then, what is the evidence for their claim? So when you're looking at a news source... Is it claiming, for example, that you know a company is poisoning the residents of a town? They need to provide multiple pieces of evidence to back up that claim. You know, who are they citing? You can Google their sources to see if others are reporting the same thing. You know, in this day and age, it's really unlikely for only one source to have access to any facts and that no other source has those facts. So you should be able to find their evidence in other places. So what figures are they giving to show that, say, you know, that poisoning is occurring? If they don't say where they got those figures or what year they're from, then that's a red flag. In the age of COVID, we've all seen or heard of email forwards or blogs or, you know, online posts claiming that the disease is a hoax or that onion juice is the cure. (laughs) And this is where our brains are the best defense. So do any of these claims make sense? 
what is their proof that onion juice or whatever the new thing is, is the cure? You know, conversely, if what they're saying is true, what would be the motive? Always a great question to ask. What is What would be the motive of someone, so like the, a governmental organization, to hide this information? If these things were true, wouldn't it just be easier for the CDC to just tell the public, go drink onion juice and go back to normal life? Or to deal with an economic depression and tens of thousands of deaths and climbing, you know, thinking about where they're getting their source of information, looking into those sources, and then thinking about, oh, you know, if this is really true, then why am I not hearing it from other credible sources? Right. And building on that, the next question to ask is, is this piece biased? Does it only attribute positive characteristics to one side of the issue? Does it provide quotes only from people on one side of the issue? True journalism requires a complete investigation. If someone is being accused of something, they need to be given an opportunity to respond to that accusation. Is there evidence that the author or reporter tried to do that, such as saying, you know, as of press time, they were unable to be reached for comment or something like that? Um, Is there a chunk of the story that's clearly missing, such as why this person or organization, uh, like we said earlier, would be motivated to do what the author says they've done? And what's the date on the piece? Is it an old story that isn't actually relevant to what's going on today? Another thing to look inward and ask ourselves is if the creator repeatedly posts negative articles about a cause or a politician that you like, Is it possible that your own bias could be blinding you to the fact that they are true? This is really tough to do, but recognizing our own preconceptions is an important part of being an educated news consumer and citizen. Absolutely. And I think we've all seen the effects of kind of living in your own bubble around news and really just having that confirmation bias, as we call it. So if I know what I think, I know what I believe, and I watch something that confirms that, then I'm more likely to think that that's a credible source. But that's a really dangerous way of thinking this day and age. So it's always good to kind of just pause and check our own biases, think about the sources that you're looking at and wondering, you know, am I liking this just because it sort of confirms what I like or what I, you know, what I believe about a certain person or or an idea. And so the next thing to think about or to ask yourself is, is there evidence that this piece could be the work of a bot or a troll? So who is behind this? And how do you know whether or not it's a it's a real person or just someone who is out to, you know, cause uh, cause trouble or a bot that's actually not really a person that you're responding to? So a few things to look into. So first, grammatical errors or political slogans that aren't in quotes, you know, or statements that don't sound like they come from native speakers of the language. So non-native speakers of any language, of course, aren't necessarily bad sources of information, but hopefully they would have access to someone who could edit their pieces in their chosen language. You know, otherwise credibility takes a hit. So for example, just as we use interpreters in our offices, when we are talking to patients who prefer a language other than a language that we speak, you know, again, to make sure that we're communicating effectively, you would expect that any clear, credible news information would also go through that process to avoid misinterpretation. Right, because reliable sources want you to be able to understand what they're saying. So they are motivated to edit properly. 
So when that editing isn't there, that's a red flag. Absolutely. So the next really important thing we want to talk about is how to support the truth tellers and how to shut down people who peddle falsehoods. It's not just enough to know what is false, but then how do we lift up the truth so that everyone ends up on the same page and we're all walking around with the the right factual information? So first, definitely double check any statements that are said to be quotes, especially supposed quotes from famous people. So cut and paste a questionable quote from an article or an email and put it into Google and see what comes up. For many famous people, whether they are celebrities or politicians, there's little that they do that isn't filmed. So if the article you're reading is the only one that talks about it, it probably didn't happen. This is so true that Meghan and Harry actually gave up their royal titles to get away from it. (laughs) Right, right. So let's use that to our advantage. (laughs) The next great tool uh, at our disposal is the reverse image search. And this is something that's available from Google. So right click on any image that you see on the web and search for it elsewhere on the internet. If it appears in many different places, it's a good chance it was taken from one of those places and actually has nothing to do with the story you read. You know, it kind of looks like it's a distant shot of Elon Musk, but it turns out it's really a stock photo from Iowa. Right, exactly. Um, And then, you know, let us not be those uh, purveyors of false information. So when you get an article or a post Um, or an email that you're not sure is authentic, refuse to forward it. So misinformation thrives on people being willing to spread it. So just cut it off from its life source. And this is, you know, information that I think is important to know, not just as you are sharing um, emails, but also think about your texting group or your WhatsApp group. You know, are, are you within your own circles contributing to the spread of fake news? And you may think it's just within the small group of my friends, but when they start spreading it to other people, then you're really giving life to these false articles or, you know, this fake news. So let's all do our best to cut off the life source and to not forward these articles. By the same token, actively click on pieces by sources that you've determined to be reputable and share their work. And if they take financial donations, consider doing so. Just as uh, false news has the ability to multiply rapidly, accurate news has that same ability if we help it along. Right. And along that vein, if you see your friends or your family spreading misinformation, call them out on it. So research shows that people are much more likely to change their views and their behavior based on intervention from people that they know. And when other people read comments pointing out that a post is unreliable, then they're more likely to use critical thinking when they read it themselves. So there's a great game called Factitious, we'll link it in the show notes, that tests your ability to spot fake news. So pass it on to friends and family who might need it and have, you know, a little fun with it and definitely learn from it. Yes, exactly. And, you know, that leads us to our physician mom life hack of the week. And uh, we're having a little change this time. It has, this week's hack has nothing to do with good versus bad information, but it does have to do with the food shortages that many of us have been experiencing due to COVID. And this one is particularly relevant to Lantray because of her deep love of bananas. Nice try. I actually hate bananas, even the smell of them. 
<laughs> but my family loves them for some reason. Okay. Love is – by love, I meant passionate hate. It's opposite day. <laughs> now, none of us want to see food go bad during the best of times, you know, not just because it's awful to waste food, um, you know, when so many don't have enough, but – now, we also don't know if we'll be able to get more the next time we go to the store. You know, we've all gotten used to seeing empty aisles here and there. So this tip will help you preserve bananas. So I've been doing this for a few weeks and I'm just amazed. You wrap some plastic wrap or aluminum foil around the stem of the bunch and then pull the bananas off one by one as you need them. This slows the ripening process and keeps them good longer, keeps them from going bad uh, for at least another few days uh, up to a week. And also try dipping them in melted chocolate. You'll thank me later. Okay, that I might not mind trying. <laughs> I'll convert Anything you yet, Lonre. <laughs> By the time we're 75, you'll be embracing our bananas. <laughs> Again, drizzle it in chocolate. I, I might be into it. <laughs> so that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you found our tips and tricks helpful in determining whether something is true or false and some great ways to share true information and to bring down the fa- the fake news out there. So just remember to follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter at Hippocratic Host. And please review us on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it or on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Health at Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Remember that all views expressed here are our own, not our employers, and all content is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice nor the establishment of a doctor-patient relationship. Always consult your own physician or healthcare team for any medical issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check out our website at www.hippocratichosts.com for show notes on this and all our episodes. Can't wait to chat with you next time.